Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good to see you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, good morning. Amen. It is still morning, isn't it? Yep, still morning. Still morning. When I was a kid growing up, my uh, my dad and I, we used to occasionally go groundhog hunting. And uh, some of you might not even know what a groundhog is, but <laughs> we went groundhog hunting. And I just heard this week that Puxatawney Phil saw his shadow. That means six more weeks of winter. And my first impulse was, I wish my dad was still here so we could go groundhog hunting again. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, who's ready for spring, amen? Y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready for some Hanover tomatoes. I know that's a little later. I'm ready. I'm ready for some of that good stuff, amen? It's good to see everybody today. Thanks for coming out on this day. We are excited. We're in the last week of what has become a series that we call Making Room, and uh, last week we talked about how to make room for the Holy Spirit to work in your life, and I want to continue today, and I want to take a little bit of a different turn in this last message, and I want to ask you this question, and this is not a trick question, by the way. I asked this question in the first service, and they were all like, here's the question. Do you want to make room for God's blessings in your finances? Yeah, see, that's what I kind of thought we would all respond. Who doesn't? right, want God's blessings on their finances. I think we all do. And I want to show you one of the keys as a believer to doing that today. Here's my message. Generosity, making room for blessing. Everybody say generosity. Generosity, making room for blessing. See, many of you decided on the first Sunday of the year that you also wanted to make a fresh start in your life. Many of you have determined that you want to make room for the supernatural. And today I want to show you how to make room for God to bless you financially. Because as believers, we understand that the economy or even our jobs is not really what puts food on our table, right? Amen. You know that, right? It's not it's not our jobs that put the clothes on our back. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 tells us who our source is. It says, "And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, amen. How many of you know that God is the one that supplies our needs, right? We don't always get everything we want, but we get what we need. My God is our source. So how do we as Christians make sure that we're operating our life and our finances in a way that ensures God's blessings on all that we have. There is a right way to make room for God's blessings in your finances, and it is also the same thing that breaks the back of materialism and greed in our lives. And you want to know what it is? Generosity. Generosity. See, some folks think that if you're a Christian, 
you know, you, you mainly just follow Christ in what we call the, the spiritual areas of our life, right? You pray, you maybe you read the Bible a little bit, um, you know, you come to church, but then you go out into your real life, <laughs> and then we see God maybe next Sunday, right? But see, the Bible really doesn't, it doesn't work that way. The Bible's got a really broad view of what it means to be a Christian. It affects every area of our lives every day, amen? It affects our relationships, our, our money management, our how we raise our kids, how we treat other people. Our walk with Jesus should impact everything. And that also includes the way we conduct our affairs financially. There's a lot of ways that people strive for financial freedom in their lives. Living within your means, not overspending, working hard, limiting your debt, you know, living in a house or driving a car that you can afford. Man, these are all good, important things to do because we have to live responsibly. And I'm just going to throw this in right at the beginning, and I'm just going to say this. You might give your tithes and your offerings faithfully, but if you don't learn how to live within your means, you're still not going to be blessed. Amen. It's more than just dropping a tithing envelope in a box and just expecting God to work everything out. No, we also have to do our part and live responsibly. Now, and every, every year, usually in the month of January or February, we try to take some time to discuss this subject because it's probably one of the most misunderstood yet important principles in all of the Bible. Now, let me break it out for you today. If you're a guest, I hope this message blesses you. And I, there was a time in my life I used to get really nervous about talking about giving, especially with guests in the house, because, you know, we're all, everybody's so confused. There's so many mis, misinformation about church. Oh, church just wants your money. Oh, this and that. And that. No, 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 that's not the case at all. People got all kinds of wrong thoughts when it comes to churches and money. And I hope I can shed some light on that today. If you're a member of Life Church, Today, I want to invite you to ask God to, again, breathe fresh life into you regarding the biblical principle of giving. If you're already a faithful giver, man, don't just let yesterday's commitment be what carries you. Ask God to, to help you to be a cheerful giver. Help, him, help you to give passionately. Let God refresh your heart. Amen? But then also, if you're not a faithful uh, giver, or maybe you're not faithful in this area of your life, today is the day that I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to speak to you about what you can do to make room for His blessing in your life by living a life of generosity. I hope I've covered everybody in the house today. Now, let's jump right in and dealing with your personal finances. God says, that if you will put him first, he will bless your finances in a way that is explained as either having a blessing or a curse by how we handle our finances and where we place God in the scripture. In the picture, I'm going to read scriptures today from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But let's start in the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Some verses that many of us are probably familiar with, verse 8, and it says this Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God replied, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Verse 9 says, because of this, you are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, so there will be room enough, will be enough food in my temple. 
If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. How many of you want to be blessed like that? (laughs) Yeah, me too. Try it, he said. Put me to the test. So, How do we put God's blessings to work in our lives? How do we as Christians make sure we're operating our life and our finances in a way that ensures his blessings on all that we have? It is through the faithful giving of tithes and offerings and living within our means. So let's talk about it today. First of all, let's talk about the tithe. And I'm gonna kind of teach a little bit more than preach, and I hope this is a blessing to you today. What is tithing? First of all, the word tithe means a tenth part. It means a tenth part. It's a word that God uses all throughout Scripture. In the Bible, God tells us that we're to give the first 10% of what we earn back to the Lord. The tithe, when you look at it in the Old Testament, it was an offering of one's income to the Lord as an expression of thanks and dedication. Now, in the Old Testament, they were primarily an agricultural economy, so they didn't, you know, they didn't swipe a debit card or write a check. They didn't pay cash. Usually, they paid their tithes with their crops and with their livestock. Now, although today we commonly think of the tithe as 10%, believe it or not, there were actually three tithes in the Old Testament. Two that they paid every year, and then there was a third one that they paid every third year. So if you averaged it out, it ended up actually being, instead of 10%, it actually ended up being over 23% of their annual produce or their, their, their income from what they had. There were also additional provisions for free well offerings and personal giving above and beyond the tithe. So the tithe never really stood alone. You read Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and it sets out the tithe and offering requirements to to the early Israelites in order for them to receive the blessings of the Lord. We understand and we know that God is a God of order, right? He is. He created the Levitical tithing system as a means of taking care of the priests and the Levites and the stranger and the fatherless and the widows who lived within their gates, and that's, that's actually in the Bible. Now, I'm glad that tithing is a lot less complicated now for New Testament believers. <laughs> I'm personally glad tithing's not 23.3%. Can anybody else say amen to that, right? And I'm also glad that it still is a promise that applies to us as New Testament believers. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, after several verses that described how they were to give the tithes, the Lord gave them a promise in verse 29, and it said this, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. They cover all these ways that they were giving and what they were doing with their giving, and then it kind of sums up the title of my message. He said, so that God may bless you in all the works of your hands. There it is. Generosity is what makes room for blessing. So giving a tithe or giving 10% of my income or my increase back to the kingdom of God each time I have increase. Well, what does the tithe do in the modern day church? Well, it goes to provide ministry in the church, to the church, uh, for the community, to provide staff, to take care of our church, the costs that are associated with coming to church, to give to missions. I mean, everything from buying cookies in the Sunday school classes to, to you name it, whatever it is, the tithe and the offerings go to fund the kingdom of God. And how many of you know that a growing church is just like a growing child, there's always needs? 
I was talking to Lindsay and Xavier yesterday, and she had mentioned that she thinks Ava is getting ready to maybe start potty training, and hopefully we'll be coming out of the, the diaper phase soon. And I laughed, and I looked at Xavier. I said, boy, you're fixing to get a raise when you don't have to buy those diapers anymore. <laughs> How many parents know that's the truth, right? I mean, I remember when my girls were little, I was like, man, I can't wait. Can't wait till we ain't got to buy these diapers. I mean, because there's costs, right, in a growing child. There's costs. But did you know if you have a growing church, there's also a never-ending cost. There's never-ending needs. And here's my question. In a dead and a dying church, they never bother you about giving. They never bother you about sacrifice. My question to you is this. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? I want to be a part of a church that is growing and is alive and is meeting needs. Come on, somebody, and is reaching out in the community and doing stuff like the missions partner we talked about, helping kids in our city, amen, helping families to come maybe out of poverty and move into another level so they can have a little bit of dignity. Come on, somebody. I think that's important work in the kingdom of God. And let me start off this discussion about ties with the number one question that all Christians and many longtime Christians, they might not say it, but they all think it. Here's the question. Do I have to tie? Well, I'm going to give you the short answer. The short answer is no. You don't have to do it. You know why? Because God's not a tax collector. God never demands his obedience God loves you and I so much, he gives us a choice. And by the way, he does it in every area of our lives. But a much better question would be this. Why wouldn't I want to give back to him and honor him with my best? That's a better question, right? Because if you've placed your eternity in his hands, why wouldn't you be eager to bring tithes and offerings to say thank you and to honor the God of all creation and to help advance his kingdom on earth? And oh, by the way, also to be blessed as a believer. Amen. So I want to talk about generosity and how to unlock God's blessings on our lives through tithes and offerings. Now, just a little bit of transparency. My wife will tell you this is my least favorite sermon to preach every year. I always get a little uptight about it because I, I don't want people, I don't want to ever reinforce this negative stereotype where the church is just all about money. I had a guy come up to me after the first service and it really blessed me. He said, Pastor, I just want you to know I really appreciate you preaching this message. It's so important that people understand about stewardship and about tithing and about giving. He said, and too many preachers are afraid to to share this because they don't want to be labeled a money monger. He said, thank you for bringing the truth. I was like, thank you. That's going to help me get through 11 o'clock. <laughs> so I hope you really want to know what the Bible says about this subject. Can we jump right in? Why should I tithe? I'm going to give you some answers to that question. Number one, tithing demonstrates that God has first place in my life. El numero uno, Amen. Deuteronomy 14.23 says this, and I love it. From the Living Bible, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. Man, I could really just stop right there, right? <laughs> the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God in first place in your life. Amen. I can say God has first place in my life, but you know what? There are two things that I can look at or really any of us can look at in this building that will tell us what is really first place in your life. You want to know what it is? Your calendar 
and your pocketbook, your checkbook, your bank statement, how you spend your time and how you spend your money is what really tells us what's most important in your life, right? All of us. How do we spend our time? What do we do with our time, with our free time? What do we do with our money, with our with our resources, amen? I remember growing up when we first got married, man, things were tight because I had a lot of bad habits. Shelter and food, amen. Well, no laughing, I, I used to get a laugh, amen. I mean, everything we had was to pay the bills, right? Man, you got to pay the rent. You got to buy the groceries. You got to pay the car payment. And and some of you might be right there. Man, your time is spent on providing a living for your home. Your, Your resources are spent that way. If you look at somebody, how they spend their money and how they spend their time, you can tell a lot about that person's priorities, right? The way I use my money, really, and the way I spend my time dictates who's first in my life. Is it school first? Is it hobbies first? Is it my family first? Is God first or my student loan or my credit card bills or or Chipotle (laughs) or Starbucks or the car payment, amen? What's really first in my life, amen? It's God. So tithing demonstrates that God has first place in my life because I'm giving him that first 10%. Here's another thing of why I tithe. Tithing reminds me that everything I have was given to me by God in the first place. Amen? Let me show you this verse, Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. Check this out. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Everybody, oh, well, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. It's God that gives you the power to get wealth, amen? It's God that enabled you to have two hands and two feet. Come on, somebody, to work that job. It's the blessings of God. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And you know what? Every week when I sit down and I write my check, or if you go online to give, or whatever it is, you are reminding yourself, God, everything I have comes from you. Because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have anything. And God gives us the ability to be blessed. When you write that tithe check or you go online and you give as soon as you're paid, uh, and and when you're coming to church, you go, God, I remember everything I have comes from you, and I'm grateful. You've given me the power to get wealth. Amen? Here's another reason we tithe. Tithing expresses my gratitude to God. It expresses my gratitude to God. Psalm 116 and verse 12, what can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? Here's one answer. It comes from Deuteronomy 16 and 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. Give as you are able. When when I give, I'm saying thank you according to the blessings he has given me. Can I just say this? That's why tithing is so fair. Did you notice it never says a dollar amount in the Bible? It's a percentage, 10%. It's not an amount, it's a percentage. And it's therefore, it's according to your ability, it's according to what you have, whether you're able. If you're blessing, if you only earn $10 a week, guess what? You only gotta give a (laughs) dollar. If it's 100, you give 10. If it's 1,000, you give 100. And that, and what I love about that, it's so fair. Now, not to get political, but I'll, I said this in the first service. I wish we had a flat tax in this country. Amen. You want to know why? How many, of you, how many of you think that you pay too many taxes? 
I'm just, this isn't a trick question. Look around this room. Wouldn't you love to pay 10% instead of whatever it is that you pay right now? I'm talking about to Uncle Sam. Yeah, I know I would. And you know why? Because it feels what? Fair. We actually have, if, unless the statistics have changed, 51% of adults in this country don't pay any taxes. Now, you might, yeah, that might shock you. That means the rest of you are carrying their load. Congratulations. I hope your shoulders aren't hurting too much. But did you know it's a lot like that in the kingdom of God? Not everybody tithes and gifts. There's a lot of giving that is done by faithful people that helps carry the kingdom of God. What would happen to the kingdom if every believer stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to do my part for the kingdom? Come on, I need a little help in this house or I'm just going to park right on this street and keep drilling until I hit oil, amen? What would happen if we all did our part? What would happen if we all served? What would happen if we all volunteered a couple hours a week, Pastor Pavey, whether it was to a dream team or to an outreach in our city? What would happen? I know what would happen. We would all be more fulfilled. We would all be blessed, and the kingdom of God would prosper exponentially. So tithing expresses my gratitude to God. The Bible also says that tithing is refusing to rob God. Now, I don't like to do negative points, but this is one, and I really have no way to skip around this, so I got I to gotta talk to you about this one for a minute. It's a pretty strong statement that's made right there. Malachi 3, 8, and 9. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you do rob me, but you say how? In tithes and offerings. And then when you go on to read it, it says you're actually under a curse, the whole nation, because they were robbing God with their giving. Amen. And you might say, well, why is it considered robbery if I don't give the tithe? It's found in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. Here it is. It's holy to the Lord. The reason it's robbery is because it's holy. If we keep something that belongs to God, something that is holy, amen. It is wrong for anyone who is a believer to take something that doesn't belong to him. If I go over to Joe's house, I'd love to have me a boat. But if one day I borrowed somebody's truck and I backed up to Joe's house and I took his boat, and I, it would be wrong, right? It would be wrong. Be, oh, thank you. Somebody, somebody loan me a truck after church, amen. I got to strike while the iron is hot, Hallelujah. They do say the two greatest days in a boat owner's life is the day he buys it and the day he sells it. I don't know if that's true or not. But the point is, I can't just take something that belongs to somebody else. We know that's not right, right? It's called stealing. But see, a lot of times we don't think about it that way when it comes to God. The God who's given us everything we have is asking for a portion back that shows our allegiance to him and our faith to him because it's holy. Tithing also gives God a chance to prove himself to us. I love this part. Malachi 3.10. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he says, what? Test me in this. In other words, I dare you. Put me to the test, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I love that. The scripture says, bring the whole tithe to my house. From the New Living Translation, it says, bring all the tithe. The contemporary English version, which is the version I'm reading this year for the first time of the Bible, it said this, bring the entire 10%. Now, that's pretty clear, right? 
Not a half of the tithe, not a third of the tithe, the whole tithe. Because really, if it's not 10%, it's not really a tithe. And then he says this, test me in this. Now see, folks, this is one of the most amazing promises in the Bible. I don't want you to miss this. See, this isn't just about the noble uh, uh, reason of tithing it to advance the kingdom of God. Guess what? God says, I'm going to bless you if you do this. It is okay to want to have the blessing of God on your life. It is okay to pray for the blessings of God on your life. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Amen. God actually challenges us in this. And I'm going to issue a challenge to you right now today. If you are not a faithful tither, start tithing and watch what happens. Can all the faithful tithers say amen to that in this house? Come on, start tithing and watch what happens. Because he not only makes a promise to bless you with more, but he promises to protect what you already have. That's what the scripture says. Malachi 3.11, look at this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. What is the devourer? It could be anything that comes. God said, I'm going to bless you. Robin and I, we've got an old washing machine and dryer. And I was joking with her the other day. I said, how old is this thing? I don't even remember when we bought it. It's, it seems like we've had it in every house we've ever lived in. And I just realized, you know what, man, God, you have kept your hands on this thing. Amen. Every so often, I'll walk by and just stick my hand on it and say, Lord, thank you for this old Maytag. Amen. Keep blessing it, Lord. Amen. It's got a Maytag blessing upon it. Hallelujah. A Malachi Maytag blessing. Amen. Now, this doesn't always work out for everybody like this, but I'm just telling you from my own life. The cars that I get, they last forever. They do. We had a minivan we bought in 2002. We got rid of it in 2019. It had 262,000 miles on it. The family we gave it to drove it for three more years. And it just blew up a month ago. Amen. And I think it had over 300,000 miles on it. A minivan. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm rabbit trailing now. I bought an old Toyota Celica. Man, that thing was a rust bucket from her dad. Thank God for state inspections. They didn't have them in Ohio, and I bought that thing from him. It was a piece of junk. Amen. But I just needed a car to get back and forth to work. I used to work in Hopewell. And I drove that Toyota for about five and a half years and never broke down on me. I sold it to my brother, and in five weeks, that sucker was totaled and dead. <laughs> I was like, man, what in the world? You can't make this stuff up. I will rebuke the devourer. You know what he did? He rebuked cancer off of my wife's life. Come on, somebody. There's been times I have rebuked fevers off of my daughters when they were little, amen. There's times when we didn't get a paycheck when we were first pastoring this church. We have gone weeks without being paid, and I said, God, I know you're going to bless. I know you're going to make a way, and guess what? I have never been late for a bill in my entire life, ever, except one time when the post office lost a check, and I was so mad. Because it broke my string, amen, broke my record. God will prove himself. Matter of fact, you know what? I'm just going to pull. I want everybody that's had God prove himself in your life. Why don't we just take a moment? Let's give him a praise right now. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You got shoes on your feet. You got clothes on your back. Come on, you got a warm house to go home to. God is good. 
Hallelujah, he's a good God. Yes, he is. He's a good God. Amen. Why else do I tithe? Tithing gives God a chance to prove himself to us. I already mentioned that. Tithing is one way that I love God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to keep rolling. Here's another reason. Let's, let's shift gears now. What should I tithe? What should I tithe? The first of all, increase. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'll talk about first fruits at the end. But the Bible makes it really clear that I should tithe off of the first part of everything that I have, everything I earn, all of my increase, not the leftovers. That's why you put God first, Amen. That means I tithe off my paycheck, I tithe off my inheritance, I tithe off of my uh, an insurance policy, I tithe off of whatever the increase might be. My wife told me that when she was growing up, her mom and dad used to make them tithe off of their birthday money, amen. <laughs> Man, that's that's kind of hardcore, but guess what? It raised a hardcore tither and a blessed woman of God, amen. I, I don't think I ever had, I don't think I ever forced that on my kids, Amen. <laughs> But, man, all my increase, and guess what I can tell you? 31 years ago, when Robin and I got married, we had the commitment right up front to live this way because we started doing, we were, I started tithing when I was 15, when I got saved. My wife was doing it when she was, I mean, she doesn't even, back probably when she was getting a dollar for her birthday at two, she probably didn't even know she was tithing. Can I just take a moment and say to the parents, teach your kids to tithe. You want your kids to be blessed? Amen. How many of you want your kids to get a good education, get a good job, marry the right person? How many of you also want your kids to be blessed financially by God? Amen. Amen. Teach them to tithe. I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on time on budgeting. Here's it real, real quick. Three envelopes. Give, save, spend. Three ways you can teach your kids. You give this part 10%, you save this part 10%, and you spend this part 80%. If you teach your kids the 10-10-80 principle and they can live by that their whole life, they will not die broke. They will, they will be able to retire with dignity. Come on, somebody. They will not be the tail. They will be the head. Amen. They will not be the borrower. They will be the lender. Come on, somebody. Give, save, spend. And by the way, that's a great way for you and I to live. That's how we're supposed to live too. Give, save, spend. Where should I tithe? Everybody say, my church. My church. Bring your whole tithe, Malachi 3.10, to my storehouse. In other words, I should tithe where I worship. I should tithe in my house, in my house of worship. That's where I give. I give to the place where I am fed spiritually, where I feed others spiritually. You don't give, it, you don't give your tithe to your favorite TV preacher or your favorite online ministry, amen. Not the charity of your choice. Not, not, you, you give to your church. And if you're watching online, and if this is not your church, your tithe doesn't go to this house. Your tithe goes to your house. Now, if you don't have a house of worship and you're watching online, make this your home and send it here. But it's important that we follow the biblical principles. We don't just give it to our local charity. We give it to the house that we worship in. In the Old Testament, the place of worship was called the temple. In the New Testament, it was called the synagogue. Then when the church came along, it was called the church, the ecclesia, the body, amen. And you give it in your place of worship. When should I tithe? Consistently. Everybody say consistently. 
1 Corinthians 16 and 2 says this. It says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Let me just stop right here. I don't want you to miss this line. That doesn't say tithe, does it? But look what it does say. A sum of money in keeping with your income. That's talking about a sum that is consistent with your income. That's consistent with the principle of tithing. A sum of money that's consistent in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, we live in a day people get paid all kinds of different days. They worship. I understand that. What is the first day of the week? It's actually Sunday, not Monday. Monday feels like the first day. But Sunday's the first day. So you bring your tithe to the house of the Lord or you give online. Just whatever you do, however you receive increase, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, annually, you just give consistently. How should I tithe? The Bible says our attitude is important. Everybody say cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I will tell you, he will accept it from a stingy one. As well. But God loves a cheerful giver. So how should I tithe? I want to give you three things real quick. Number one, give joyfully. Everybody say joyfully. God does love a cheerful giver. The Greek word for cheerful is the word from which we get our word hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine what would happen if when we came to the offering time and Pastor Pavey said, hey, it's time for the offering, and everybody just busted out laughing. Woo, hallelujah, we all started cheering. Yeah, I'm gonna be a cheerful giver, glory to God. You know what? The offering time is the bleakest, saddest time in most churches. People are like, oh, here we go again. The weekly offering, amen. No, 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 give joyfully, give joyfully. I try to remember it. I, I, my, my routine is I usually I write my tithe check on Thursday when I get paid. It's the first check I write. I put it in my little white envelope. And when I come to church on Sunday, I drop it in the box, one of those boxes. And I, now I don't always do it, but I used to do it consistently. I'll, and I'll say, God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you, God. I give joyfully. I give happily. I'm so thankful. I want to keep a good attitude. Amen. If I'm going to give, I want to give cheerfully. Give joyfully. Here's the second point about how you should give. Give generously. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 and 4. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. And look at verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They were literally begging, please let us give. You've already given. No, we want to give even more. We want to give above and beyond our ability. Man, talk about an incredible group of people. Paul said they were begging to give. And then the third way, and I want to encourage you in this area. Sometimes we feel guilty, but I don't want you to feel guilty. Give expectantly. Everybody say expectantly. Amen. It is okay to expect God to bless you when you give faithfully. Amen. Because you are being obedient to the word of God. Give expectantly. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 says this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. When I give, I expect because Malachi 3 said he would open up the windows of heaven. When I give, I expect God to bless. I do. Amen. Now that old Maytag may break down today when I get home. But if it does, I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, for 20-some years of working. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. 
Let the next one work this long. Give expectantly. Imagine, look at it this way. It's like a farmer with seed. If a farmer has a tough year, maybe has a tough crop, and he only has a few seeds, does he say, I can't afford to plant any seed next year? No, of course not. What's going to happen? If he doesn't plant, that last meal is going to be his last meal. If he doesn't put seed in the ground, there is not going to be an increase, right? And can I just say this lovingly? Some of you are struggling right now because you're eating all your seed. You're eating all your seed instead of sowing a portion of it back into God's kingdom. Now, some people say, well, I can't tithe. I'm, I'm too broke. But here's the reality if you're a believer. You might be broke because you're not tithing. Amen? You're eating all your seed. God says if you want to harvest, you have to plant. That's the law of the harvest. Ask any farmer. You can reap a crop, but if you don't put more seed in the ground, there's not going to be another crop to come. And if you sow bountifully, you'll what? Reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Amen. That's really the real issue, guys. It's 2 Corinthians 8 and 5, and it's not on the screen. It says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Can I just tell you it all starts in the heart? This isn't really a money uh, issue. This is a heart issue. Amen? They first gave themselves to the Lord. See, if God owns me, he owns my wallet. If God owns my heart, he owns my time. If God owns my life, he owns my children. It's a holistic, i got to give myself first to the Lord. Now, quickly, I think I've covered this, ties in well. Let me, let me just quickly talk about offerings. The other part of God's plan for good stewardship involves another type of giving, and that's called offerings. Everybody say offerings. Tithing is an act of faith and obedience. Offering is an act of faith and love. Amen? How much should your offerings be? Guess what? You decide what your offerings should be. That's up to you and God. There's some examples in the Bible we can look to, special offerings that were given in the Old Testament that were done regularly, special needs in the New Testament that were taken from the early church, sacrificial offerings that they did from time to time to supply needs. But guess what? The offering is up to you. And I think a good goal would be to pray about a specified amount that you give on a regular basis because I feel like my offerings are a very important part of my worship to the Lord. My faith my walk, my obedience to God. You might say, well, what's a good goal? You decide. Offerings are the amount above your tithe that you choose to give for things like missions, building needs, special projects, youth ministry, Sunday school, Spanish ministry, the mortgage, whatever it might be. You can help the poor. You can help the poor by giving offerings right here in this local church. Amen. We support uh, 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 homeless shelters. We support food clinics. We support all kinds of things. And it's because of your giving that this help, happens. And hear me now, a lot of tithers miss out right here. You give your tithe and God's going to bless you for it. But if you want to attain another level of blessing, get passionate about including some regular offerings in your stewardship. I would encourage you to step out in faith and do that. Amen. And let me quickly just tell you about something. I'm going to ask the praise team and the musicians to come on up. Before I close, I want to share with you something new that we feel led to do as a church this year, and it's regarding offerings. For many years now, 
uh, we've received at this church, if you've been here for any amount of time, we receive two special offerings every year. In, in the spring, we would receive a sacrifice Sunday offering, and that, uh, that would go to needs right here in the church. Like, I mean, everything, the chairs you're sitting on, the paint on these walls, these sound panels, everything you see, the musical equipment, almost all of this was bought with sacrifice Sunday giving. Because we had it, we at, here at this church, we try and we've been able to do it for years. The only debt we want to have is our mortgage. We don't like to go into debt for anything, and you ought to give God glory for that, amen. And hopefully, by the grace of God, we'll have that mortgage paid off in another four or five years. I hope so, amen. In Jesus' name. But we did a sacrifice Sunday offering in the spring, and we would take a world missions offering in the winter. Now, I have felt led to try something new this year. We want to combine these two offerings into one offering. We're going to call it a kingdom builder's offering. Because the kingdom is not only here, but it's around the world. And we're going to kick it off three weeks from now, February the 27th. You're going to have an entire year to give your kingdom builder's offering. And it'll be an offering above your tithe. And I want you to pray about it. Some of you give thousands of dollars a year to Sacrifice Sunday or to missions or whatever. That's great. Some of you give hundreds. Some of you give nothing. Just pray about it. Because my goal, honestly, and I mean this with integrity before the Lord, more important than a dollar amount, I would love to see everybody that calls this church home be a part of the Kingdom Builders offering. Say, if I can only give $10 this year, I'm going to be a part of building the kingdom through my local church. So I'm encouraged. You go home, you pray about it. What can I give every month, every week? What am I already giving? You certainly don't want to do less than that. But what can I do to channel? And then once we start that, every dollar of offering that comes in is going into the needs of the kingdom builders. The, the missions programs we're going to support, the special projects we want to do. And I believe God is going to bless it and multiply it, and we're going to see the blessings of God explode in this church. So I want you to pray about it. And in three weeks, we're going to talk more about it. And we're going to give you an opportunity to make a pledge. Now, you can give that day or you can just pledge. This is what I want to do this year to help build the kingdom of God. And I want to close with this final thought. We know Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's two kinds of people in this life. There's takers and there's givers, right? We all know that. You know people that are takers. We know people that are givers. How many of you know the happiest people in life are not the takers? <laughs> Don't you love being around the people when they go, oh man, so-and-so had a baby, I want to take them a meal. Oh, so-and-so's been sick, they had COVID, I, I want to take them a meal. Oh man, you, you had a surgery and you're laid up, I want to, let me come cut your grass. Don't you love those kind of people? They're, just, they're givers, amen. They're not thinking about what it costs. They're not, th they're not, th they're not thinking about when am I going to actually have time to go do this. They're just givers. They want to give. They're happy. They're fulfilled because you know what? God blesses cheerful givers. God loves cheerful givers. And I'm just praying right now, I want you to be a giver and not a taker. Amen. And you can do that by tithing. You can do that by giving offerings. You can do that by signing up for a dream team, serving in a ministry. You can do that, amen. I just want to encourage you. It's not all just about you. It's not all just about me. But blessings comes when I make it about other people and about the kingdom. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Have you ever noticed that nobody is ever honored for what they've received? 
The people we honor in life are always the people who give. Whether it's monetarily or they give to a cause or maybe they give their life. You know why we have a holiday every February, Martin Luther King Day? Because he gave. He literally gave his life for the cause he believed in. Amen. You know why we have Memorial Day and we have Veterans Day? We're honoring people who give. People who gave of their life or they gave to a cause. Amen. We have times of remembrance for special people. We have President's Day for people that gave their life to serve. We honor those who give. And I want you to know, the greatest use of your money is using it to get people into heaven. Amen. And how many of you would like, whatever day that is, when we get to heaven, to walk through those pearly gates and see a bunch of people lined up, clapping their hands and saying, we were waiting for you to get here. And then you're going to look at them and go, well, who are you? Oh, well, I'm I'm a kid that was raised in an orphanage in the Philippines. And because Life Church gave to us, I had food every day. I got an education. I heard about Jesus. And I grew up and I was part of the kingdom of God. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You're going to meet him in heaven. Amen. Or somebody's going to stay in there and say, you know what? Thank you for giving. I went and got groceries at MSEF. I had somebody help me with my utility bills. He said, well, I, you didn't go to Life Church. No, you didn't, but, but Life Church supported it. You helped give. You helped say, or I, I, I'm a product of a missionary that gave their life to spreading the gospel. And it was because of your giving. Or it might be a child. Pastor Isaac was in the first service. I don't know if he's in the house today. It might be a child who says, thank you for helping buy backpacks and for supporting us. Thank you for sending a special offering when our church, and we did this, when our church building got destroyed by, by the, uh, by, uh, it wasn't a hurricane, they call it a different thing over there, but it was basically a hurricane. Thank you, because our church got destroyed and you sent an offering so we could build another church. Thank you, amen. And by the way, they worship in buildings that have poles and straw and 10 on the roof, no air conditioning, and they sitting in the dirt. Come on, it's a whole different thing. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. There's a principle in the Bible, Luke chapter 6. It's really a passage that's talking about mercy and forgiveness. But there's a principle there that includes every area of our life, including our finances. And it says this, and I close, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. How? Here it is. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. But here's the caveat. Here's the catch. Look. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You know what that means? Hands that are open to give are open to receive. Hands that are closed and stingy are not in a posture to receive. You need to live your lives with open hands and an open heart. We're going to pray right now, and I just want to pray a blessing over this congregation. Matter of fact, I'm just going to add, you can stay in your seat unless you have a special need. You can come up and we're going to pray. But I want to pray a blessing. I want to pray a blessing, number one, on every faithful tither. I'm going to pray a Malachi blessing on you, and I'm also praying and ask God to give you a cheerful heart. 
a renewed heart for giving. Amen. But I also want to pray for those that maybe you're taking this step for the first time, or maybe you're taking it again. Maybe you've done this before, you've gotten off track. Guess what? Free pass. Amen. We're not here to to, uh, collect a bill. We're not here to beat down your door. Why don't you just make a fresh start today and say, God, I'm going to begin afresh because I want your blessings on my life. Why don't you extend your hands to heaven and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for the men and the women that are in this room right now. God, we want to be generous people, not just with our money, but with our time, with our heart, with our lives. God, because I know that that's making room for blessing. I don't want to sow sparingly and reap sparingly. I want to sow bountifully so I can reap a bountiful harvest. I don't want to eat all of my seed. I want to put seed in the ground so that you can multiply it and I can watch it grow. I don't want to just build my kingdom, but God, I want to build the eternal kingdom. I want to build up your kingdom so that souls can be saved, lives can be changed, lives can be improved. People can have their tangible needs met along with their spiritual needs. God, I want to be a giver and not a taker. I want to be generous and not stingy. I want to be faithful not flighty. I want to be obedient, not disobedient. Help me, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Praise team's going to sing. And if you want to step, now you don't have to, but if you want to step out from where you are and make a brand new commitment to God and say, God, I'm recommitting in this area of my life, why don't you come? Or maybe you just want to say, God, I love you and I'm thankful for your blessings. Would you come right now? Or if you need a healing in your body, I invite you to come. We'll pray for you. Need to be saved, come forward and we'll pray for you. Amen. Why don't you come as they lead us in worship? Amen. Yes, God. And this is my answer to you, God. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name.
night at our Renew Marriage Seminar, Friday and Saturday. Don't miss out. Next Sunday, Pastor Nathan Keating is going to preach. He was here last year. He did an amazing job. You do not want to miss church next Sunday. Amen. I hope you have a great week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.